In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I'm in Orlando, where Atlanta United defeated the Lions 2-1 on Friday. History was made tonight when Joseph Martinez scored his 28th goal this season, breaking the MLS single-season scoring record that he held with three other players. Uh, the History was made in the 74th minute when Martinez took a pass from Julian Gressel, kind of dinked the defender, waited on Bendik to commit, and then chipped him from about 12 yards. He kind of stared down Bendik after the goal and then ran into the corner where the Atlanta United supporters were. Uh, shirtless, kind of soaked in the adulation, and then the game restarted. Other goals were scored by Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, who just whose wife had a baby earlier this week, so he said his celebration, the thumb in the mouth, was for Emmy. And Orlando City's goal uh, was scored in the 39th minute uh, by Scott Sutter, just a rocket of a shot, a fantastic goal. I'm joined, as usual, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and Soccer Down Here. And we have special guest, Mike Conti who's going to sit in with us to talk about this historic night tonight. So, guys, what did you make of this? Man, I don't even know where to start. Um, Orlando came to play today. They were probably as good as they've been all season. Um, even still with that, Atlanta United played one of its best performances of the season. Dominated possession, really crisp at the passing, no major mistakes. Uh, Joe Bendick made a number of saves, and Atlanta United... What was impressive about it is on a night where they played maybe their best 90-minute performance, it still wasn't really going for them at you know in the second half at that point where it's 1-1. And Joseph Martinez, as he's done all season, keeps his head, his composure, and he gets the job done and gets another game-winning goal. He's two off of the MLS record for that. Yeah, he also scored in his uh, ninth consecutive game, which ties the record uh, set by Diego Valeri last year. Uh, with Portland on the way to his MVP campaign. I don't know who can stand with Joseph Martinez for MVP this season. Uh, Mike, what did you think of tonight? Well, I, I think, you know, we were talking about this on the radio that you don't necessarily remember when Mark McGuire hit his 70th home run, but you do remember his 62nd. And I think we'll all remember where and when Joseph scored his 28th. And we don't know how this is going to end up. I think it's entirely possible he could get to 35. But what I thought was really cool, and it's something that Jason pointed out on the broadcast, I love that the record-breaking goal was kind of a team goal. Uh And it was really good build-up and good work by Gressel and Vialba had a part of it as well. A striker is only as good as the service he gets, right? We've said that a lot this year. And a big reason why Joseph has 28 goals because he's been getting great service. I think Gressel now with 10 assists, I want to say 8 or 9 of them are to Joseph. I think it's 9 or 9, yeah. So really cool. I think Orlando played about as well as they could play. 
especially yeah. with that lineup. I think their future, they may have turned a corner here tonight. Um, you know, we saw a 19-year-old come into the match and have a very effective 30 minutes at the end. Sutter, an older player, but uh, someone who's kind of worked his way into the lineup. A beautiful goal, as you said, Doug. So I think both teams can probably leave here happy. But I'll tell you what, statistically, the, the score line was very deceptive in this match. Atlanta United passing at 90%, way outchancing Orlando City, uh, winning the majority of the duels, 65% possession in the second half. You've got to be thrilled if you're a five-stripe supporter. Yeah, it was it was an interesting game. I thought Atlanta United in the second half was infinitely better than it was in the first half, uh, particularly the final 20 minutes of the first half. Uh, Tata talked about... They kind of lost possession. They started giving away the ball to Orlando. Their decision-making wasn't very good. I thought Orlando did play about as well as it can play in the first half. It just doesn't have someone who's going to finish these chances. They did create some opportunities. They just well, they, they didn't don't score. Have, I, I'll, I'll take that and I'll say it differently. Because Dom Dwyer's got double-digit goals. It's not so much they need somebody to finish them. Where Orlando really struggled tonight is you had Will Johnson playing as a 10. Will Johnson is the furthest thing from a 10. You didn't have anybody in the final third who could deliver the final pass. Yeah, that, that, that was that's, yeah, that's yeah. That, that's where you were going yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, that's what was missing tonight because you'd see numbers behind the ball, good defensive play, and it was Coleman, it was Mueller who did elements of it, but they're more wide players. You didn't yeah. have anybody in the middle who could deliver that final pass, and Dom Dwyer put in a lot of work and just really didn't have much to show for it outside mm-hmm. of a great header on right. a set piece, and Brad Gazan made the save of the season on it. Yeah, I thought uh, Mueller looked really good for Orlando tonight. He was he was he impressive. Did. He did. I think he ran out of gas at the end. But yeah, it was hot and humid here tonight. Yeah, Chris Mueller's the MLS Rookie of the Year. I, I don't think there's anybody there with him. I think uh, the Philadelphia center back who's eligible Rusty. may nip him for that award. Uh, Particularly it, Philadelphia. It'd be McKenzie. One, one of the two Trusty's isn't eligible. Not, Trusty's not so eligible. So it would be McKenzie. If they make the playoffs, I think it's going to be hard to not give him that award. Because yeah, statistically, close. Mueller... I don't think has a goal or assist in quite some time. I have to go back and look it up. Yeah, it's been a while. I think one other takeaway I have, Doug, is aside from kind of getting burned on the setter goal, I thought Gressel at right back looked pretty good today. And and that is very, very significant because you're thin right now with injuries. Wheeler didn't make the trip because he played a full 90 with the twos. You had Hernandez available. Uh, you had Bello as a, a break glass situation, but that was a, especially key. And it doesn't sound like Escobar's injury is significant, but going forward now, as Tata Martino faces these decisions about how are you going to have Barco still on the pitch and Gressel still on the pitch at the same time, what do you do with Rometty? The option to play Gressel at right back, I think, is very, very key because he could have a home there. And I thought, for the most part, uh, the the setter goal, like we said on the radio, will probably go as a learning experience for him. I thought, for the most part, very, very good match for him tonight in that role. Yeah, the only mistake that was costly made by Gressel in his new position uh, was his giveaway started Orlando City's possession on that goal. It was he had time. patience. Yeah, he could have sent Viaba into space as soon as he got the ball, and he didn't. He held on to it, and then he decided to try to go over the top and didn't hit the ball well at all. Orlando City uh, intercepted it, restarted their position, ended up in a goal. But, now having said that, Escobar's injury didn't occur until, I think, Thursday. Um, So, Gressel didn't get to train at right fullback all week. He just, once again, got put into a position, 
Once again, he played it well. He's likely going to have to play it well for the next three, two to three weeks, maybe three to four. That's how long Escobar is projected to be out. Atlanta United does not have another right back. Hernandez is a left back. Yeah. Bello is a left back. So either they go to a three-man back line or they keep putting Gressel in at right fullback. Well, right now, what it opens up is it gets Ezekiel Barco back into the starting lineup, and I thought Barco was electric tonight. I think Barco was really big in possession. You saw maybe a little more decisiveness out of Barco when he was going forward at speed, and I thought he was very critical as the match went on in terms of keeping possession and recycling it and and kind of killing the game off. So that's going to be the challenge for Tata Martino is you've got – Far more players, far more starters than you have starting positions. And, and that's a good problem to have, but he's going to have to manage that. Yeah, because Nagby is coming back soon. <clears throat> he has begun running again unless he has a setback. Uh, Garza is supposed to be coming back soon. So it, it's going to be an interesting challenge. The, the thing I'm now going to be really curious to see, if Escobar is out for, let's say, four weeks, three, let's say three weeks, the massive three games and one week swing that Atlanta United is going to have, Denver, San Jose, Real Salt Lake, uh, those guys are going to be tired. Who is going to get back there at that right back position? Because Gressel worked his butt off tonight. Well, and there, well, and one of those games is in Colorado where you have thin air, and, and that's a concern as well. I think now, you know, 3 5 2 becomes an option. But I think Rometty has a role in this discussion as well. Not necessarily dropping to right back, but maybe Rometty drops back a little bit further. And, you know, obviously Joseph's man of the match tonight because he broke the record. A lot of guys turn in great performances. But here again, I thought Eric Rometty, mm-hmm. you know, is going to make this very, very tricky for Tata Martino to manage once Darlington Nagby comes back. And But it's going to take Nagby some time to get fit and then match fit. And it's not like he, he's imminently going to be back and play 90 minutes. But I think, you know, with Rometty, now you have an option to drop Lorenowitz back a little bit further. I mean, there, there are a lot of moving parts to all of this, and I think Rometty is a key piece. But I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing. Yeah. I think the way that Atlanta United played in the second half tonight is an MLS Cup caliber yeah. performance. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree they, with that. They played their best first half of the year here on May 13th. And they played their best second half of the year here tonight, in my opinion. Yeah, that was uh, – this was a – I'm going to paraphrase this quote from Joseph. But he said, basically, they continue to play their best games against us, and we end up being their fathers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their daddies, is mm-hmm. what Joseph was saying. Um, so now, Atlanta United has a five-point lead on Red Bulls and the Supporter Shield. Dallas is not going to catch them now, uh, I don't think. Um Red Bulls still could. I don't think NYCFC can, based upon their recent form. Will Atlanta United end up as the Supporter Shield winner? I think it's theirs to lose right now. And, you know, we've talked about that match at Red Bull Arena being the key. Atlanta United could go into that where they don't need a result in that match and still win the Supporter Shield. That's what they have out in front of them right now. You have a lot of records on the table for Atlanta United to set this season. Um uh, it, it, we can just keep going down the list. They could be the best team on the road in MLS history. They could be the best team in MLS history. They could have the best attack in MLS history. There's just so many different things that are on the table for what this team is doing, and they're nowhere near done. Right. You know, that's the thing is there's still so much more to come and so many more twists and turns, and 
I think they're the best team in MLS this season. I, I really don't think, as well as the Red Bulls have played at times this season, as good as NYC can be, I don't think anybody can touch Atlanta United when they're on their, their game. Yeah, Mike, do you think that they can break the Toronto record of 69 points yes. set last year? They're on pace. They're on pace for 71. They're on pace for 21 wins, which would be a non-shootout or a record. You know... Atlanta United does not drop points to Red Bull, or does not drop points to the same clubs that Red Bulls drop points to. Mm. Red Bulls have done exceptionally well against the the top tier of MLS, but they still have those setbacks where they're dropping points in matches where they should not. Atlanta United, aside from the game in Houston, where obviously that was an eternity ago, they have not had that problem this year. And I think the the other key thing, Doug, is it. You know, even if you don't win the shield, if you get second and you're six points or two points clear of New York City, whatever it is, you're still going to CONCACAF Champions League and you control your own destiny to host MLS Cup. So that match on September 30th will be critical. But if it's only Red Bulls by one over Atlanta United at the end of the season, let's say they get 72 and Atlanta gets 71, it's not the end of the world because you're going to play home-and-home legs and you would still host MLS Cup. Yeah, Uh, Atlanta United can finish with a maximum of, I think it's 78 points. Mm -hmm. Now there's eight games left. They have 54 points. Only two of those games are against playoff-caliber teams. One is Red Bulls. The other is Real Salt Lake, which really isn't a team that, I think Atlanta United is going to be too too concerned. Not at Mercedes Benz, and and Real Salt Lake might not be in a playoff spot by the time that match comes around. So things are starting to to crank up in the East. I think that, well, I think we all think four teams are a definite lock. The final two teams. I asked you this a while ago. My one of my two <laughs> picks is still in it. The other Orlando City has. Unfortunately, struggled. This was the kill shot tonight for them, by the way. Yeah. If they had won tonight, they would still have a chance. This was the kill shot. They, they, they were not Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. And you had D.C. United as one of your two. And who was the other? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I think it's Philly team. and D.C. I still think it's Philly and D.C. Uh, Montreal is going to be dangerous. They've just played so many more matches. I think that's going to come back to hurt them. Uh, it feels like Montreal-Toronto this weekend is an elimination game. It feels like Philly. I think it's an elimination game for Toronto. I don't think it's an elimination game for Montreal. I I think it could be if DC with so DC has four games in hand on Montreal, right? And, and that's the biggest problem for them. They I don't think Montreal can afford to drop points anymore. And if New England loses to Philadelphia for the second time in a few weeks, it might be curtains for New England. My concern with DC is the same that we saw with Atlanta United last year when they had so many home games right. in September. And we saw them run out of gas when they got to New England. But when did they run out of gas? I, you saw them run out of gas when they got to New England. At the end of it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do think that they were out of gas against Columbus. I think oh, if yeah, they 100%. had a little more fitness, they would have won that game. No, completely, 100%. Um, so but that's... I think D.C. United is going to run out of gas. It may, get in, it may get above the red line. I don't think it's going to be able to hold on to it. See, but no, this is, this is why I'm saying when did they run out of gas. D.C. United will do enough to get into the playoffs. Will they have any legs to to do anything in the playoffs? I don't think so. I think they're going to run into the same thing Atlanta did. Atlanta went through that home stretch where they were playing two games a week, eight games in 24 days, and would they win seven and lost one of that? They lost the final one to Minnesota. I think D.C. is going to have that type of run. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to have that kind of run. They're going to be able to get in, but when they get in, they're not going to have anything in the tank. 
And that's where I'm kind of seeing it go for DC. Who are your picks, Mike? Philadelphia, and uh, I think Michael Bradley leads Toronto. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Philadelphia, Montreal. I, I just threw Mike out of the booth, by the way. And that's quite a feat because yeah. I'm not. I'm a weak guy. No, Philadelphia, Montreal. <laughs> I, 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 I know where Jason's going, but I'm with you. I, that match compression at the end really scares me about DC. Uh, and I, I think Montreal has too much talent to not be in the top six in the East. And the way Piotti's going I, I right like now, I really like them a lot. I, in a way, I kind of hope we see them again. Because it, I, it, if Atlanta United were to be pulled into a conference semifinal against Philadelphia or Montreal, I'd feel extremely good about Atlanta United going to the conference finals. I'd feel a little less good about a... a conference semifinal with DC United just because I think there are things Wayne Rooney can do individually that might be out of your control and last two topics here um what will the record be at season's end what will Martinez get it to you know I I thought when Mike said this week 40 I thought he was insane um they play a lot of bad defenses down the run yeah they play some horrible defenses I think you're gonna see Joseph get some different moments where he'll get to rest, though. I think you might see him come out in the 60th minute at times, depending on where things go with the Supporter Shield, because Darren Hills has made it clear. Supporter Shield is very important. CONCACAF Champions League is very important. Well, Tata said tonight Supporter Shield is important. Yeah. While those are still in play, I don't think you're going to see it. If that changes, Joseph might get a little more time off. He might not score as many as he could against these bad defenses, but... I'm kind of feeling like 34 is the, the over-under number I would set. And right now, if it was 34, I'd probably go over. I think it's probably 35, 36 is what I'm looking at. What do you think, Mike? Uh, well, I put 40 out there. I guess I have to stick with that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, on pace for 36, I, I see another hat trick because uh, you, you play Chicago at home, 22nd in MLS and goals allowed. Play Toronto again, 20th in MLS and goals allowed. Play RSL, 19th in goals allowed. Awful defending team on the road. Uh, you play San Jose, also 19th in goals allowed with uh, RSL. He gets a hat trick, then I think 40's in the discussion. But on pace for 36, so I guess if I were going to Vegas, I'd say 36. Yeah, I think 35. That's my number is going to be 35. Um, hat tricks are so hard to do. And as I get near the end of the season, I don't think he's playing a full <laughs> 90 minutes, uh, if at all. Uh, in a couple of these games, well, I, I would hope he would not. I think. It, well, it, it I kept depends. saying that last year, and yeah. I and Martino kept rolling people out there. So it, it depends on what's still on the line. I think the Concacaf qualification is is one Vital. major priority. Yeah. I think Supporter Shield is a little bit less, but an important win for Atlanta United. I think it, it, to Jason's point, watch that Colorado game. Because he'll be back from his national team duty. Will I'm assuming he will play two matches that week. I'm hoping um, he plays the first one and doesn't play in Panama. Yeah. If I, I could make a deal, that would be the one I would make. Yeah. I'll be surprised if he plays against Colorado. Either way, I think that may be a game to rest him in. If he doesn't play against Panama, he'll play against Colorado because that'd be a week off. It'd be a normal week right. for him. If he plays in the match against Colombia and Miami, which would be a good fit for him. All right. Second and final question. Okay. Future of the Lions. Um, I hope they give O'Connor time. They have to. They have to show some patience because that's been their number one problem. Um, Adrian Heath, I mean, he, he brought him into MLS. You can. I don't know if he's a top manager in this league. I'm not 100% sure. But I don't think they gave him enough time. Then you bring in Jason Christ and you didn't give him enough time. And I think you pulled the trigger too quick. 
Um, I think, and, and we don't know who made the decisions on this roster. I think it was a very flawed roster coming into this season. There's just nothing defensively, and, and that's a huge problem. You get Uri Russell, who is showing his quality. He was injured when he got here. So it's, this was a team that was damaged goods in the first three months of the season. Um, at this point, you have to give O'Connor time. And I know that's the hardest thing if you're Orlando at the moment because you've watched New York City pass you. You've watched Atlanta lap you. You're looking at LAFC who's going to go to the playoffs in year one, it looks like. You have Cincinnati coming in next year who is not going to settle for being a lesser team. You still have to have that patience because you have a core. You have Roselle. You have Dwyer. You have Mueller. You have Coleman. I think De Silva is something to work with. You have some pieces to work with. Asquez, I thought, looked good tonight. But you have to fix this roster first priority and let O'Connor see what he can do with it. Yeah, I think O'Connor's biggest challenge is just fixing the club culture here. And I, I hope they give him time to do that. I was struck by his post-game remarks. I thought there was a lot of class there. Um I don't think it's a coincidence that this team seems to play a little bit better without Sasha Klishton. Uh At least their their engine temperature runs a little bit lower. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Osquez was a good signing for them. I like this De Silva, the 19-year-old who made his MLS debut tonight. This is going to take time. I mean, you are really, it, it's almost like a college football coach coming into a program that's just completely barren, and you have to build from the ground up, and it is going to take time to Jason's point. I do think they're pointed in the right direction. I certainly think that a lot more so than I did walking out of the Benz on June the 30th. Yeah, I agree with that. It is going to be curious to see what they do with Question in the offseason. Um, I just I think he's a slow player, and I think he slows things down too much, and Orlando just doesn't – that's not what they need. They need somebody who's going to be faster. I'm not saying they can find another Almiron, but they got to have somebody who will move vertically. Jose Coleman. Nate's got to give him the keys and let him play. That's the biggest difference is Atlanta United from day one said this is Miguel Almiron in the midfield. He's going he's gonna to be our guy. He's going to drive this team forward. And Josue Coleman has got here, and he hasn't had enough time to play. It's interesting. When you think about Clushton, Red Bulls got rid of McCarty, who's kind of a slow, deliberate player. Then they got rid of Clushton, who's kind of a slow, deliberate player. Red Bulls continue to play well. Chicago... Has just gone into the tank. <sighs> Orlando, unfortunately, has gone into the tank. League worst defense, four points from the last 16 games. I'll, now, give, I'll give McCarty a little bit of credit in that he had a good season last year. It feels like there's bigger problems in Chicago this year. And, and question, defense isn't his, his thing here, but I don't think he's a fit for the team on or off the field. I'll agree with that. All right, so again... Atlanta United wins 2-1. to one. It has a five-point lead on Red Bulls in the Supporters' Shield. Joseph Martinez makes history with his 28th goal. He now leads the MLS single-season scoring chart, and he's got eight more games to extend it. Leandro Gonzalez-Perez scores his first goal this season, second for his, in his Atlanta United career, and dedicates his goal to his new baby girl, Emmy. So that's a pretty cool moment for him as a father. And it is now... Almost midnight in Orlando. So I'm going to sign off with Southern Fried Soccer. Jason, what do you have coming up? Uh, overreaction Monday on soccer down here on Monday. I'll be curious to uh, see what overreactions are out there in the MLS Twitterverse after uh, this weekend's action.
Mike, what do you have coming up? Well, I'm worried because in Orlando, all Ubers turn into pumpkins at 12 <laughs> midnight, so we got to be careful about that. Uh, Fal- Falcons game tomorrow. I'll be uh, with Jason in D.C. a week from Sunday. Really looking forward to seeing Audi Field. I, I think yeah, I am be a too. Lot of fun. Yeah, I love D.C. I love going there. I'm, I'm, it's going to be almost an up and back for me, uh, but I am looking forward to seeing Audi Field. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll tell your friends about this uh, this podcast. I hope you'll rate this podcast. That helps me. I hope you'll subscribe to the paper. Atlanta United, two to one winners. It'll play again at DC United, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Take care. I'm Ernie Suggs, racing culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.